welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm Jo Salter, your podcast host and founder of Where Does It Come From, a social enterprise focusing on kind clothes that tell tales. In this podcast, I'll be chatting with amazing people who've dedicated themselves to making our world a better place through business, social enterprise, campaigning and much more. In this episode, I'm chatting with Vicky Smith, passionate sustainable tourism champion and founder of Earth Changers. Vicky has worked in the travel sector since the 1990s, gradually moving into the growing sustainable travel area. Earth Changers helps people find and book trips that change the world and was winner of Travel Mole UK's Best Responsible Travel and Tourism website 2019. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Where Does It Come From podcast. Here we are in January 2023, we're approaching Blue Monday and I think quite a few of us are thinking about how we can go on holiday this year and how we can do it in a sustainable way. So this time I've got the wonderful Vicky Smith with me. Hello Vicky. Hello. She runs a sustainable travel um, organisation called Earth Changes um, and she's also a... um, a real expert in anything to do with sustainable travel. So first of all, Vicky, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself, about your organisation, and tell us how you got involved with sustainable travel? Thanks, Jo. So Earth Changes is a collection of curated accommodations and tour operators who are built from core for the purpose of positive impacts through tourism. What that means is when you go on holiday, it's not necessarily having to be hands-on with volunteering or anything like you can have a lovely beach holiday, but behind the scenes, they're putting their money into sustainable development projects locally. And that might be things like education, health, conservation, climate initiatives, you name it. So basically every trip has a contribution to the destination. And the reason for that is that traditionally tourism doesn't do that. Traditionally tourism basically exploits from a destination, uses its resources, uses its people and really those people never get to share the benefits of what the profits are from tourism basically and it's just the way that the industry has evolved in a not very nice way basically so basically in the past and still currently tourism has been about taking yes absolutely extractive yeah extracting and Um, we're giving back good and and one of the you know big reasons for why that's so important is is tourism is one of the biggest sectors in the world so it's 10% of all jobs worldwide, 10% of all GDP worldwide. And so on average. And then you talk about, um, if you talk about sort of Caribbean islands or any, any destinations like that, you know, we're talking about sort of 50% GDPs and jobs. Yes. So it's a really significant impact to a destination. And um, most people, obviously, when they go on holiday, they don't necessarily want to think about the sustainability of things. They're going on holiday. Um, but in actual fact, tourism is probably the sector most or best placed in the world out of all global sectors to actually deliver for example the sustainable development goals in a in a place because you know unlike something like um mining for example which is also extractive that just is in one place whereas tourism goes into all corners of the world um apart from war zones pretty much Mm. And even then sometimes. And even then sometimes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because as you say, people don't want to think about it when they're going on holiday. But if mm. you do force yourself to think about it, and it's a good time of the year to start thinking about making changes, you can you can easily see that if you're booking with a company 
a centrally globally based company, a lot of the money that you're paying isn't even going to be going to that destination, is it? No, not at all. So on average, um, probably a lucky 10% of your money would go would end up in a destination and 90% doesn't. Um, and that's, yeah, like you say, global profit centres based in, I don't know, US, UK, whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for me, in, in running Earth Change is one of the reasons I exist is to funnel bookings directly into the partners that we work with. Um, you know, we do earn a commission off it, but basically the money goes to them first and then they they pay me rather than it be the other way around. So in many ways, I'm sort of trying to turn the tourism traditional model on its head. So you're, you're basically checking out and building relationships with these um yeah, I mean, ultimately, flight. I suppose um, sustainability in tourism, I think, is quite complex for people um, because it is this whole mixture of everything. So it's energy, construction, waste, water, um, staff benefits, um, food procurement, services, transport, all these things. And they all have obviously their own sustainable or not supply chains. Mm-hmm. And so in order to kind of go, is this place sustainable or not? You know, it's not a black or white thing. There's a lot of trade-offs. There's a lot of, um, you know, potential work that can be done in tourism to to make tourism more sustainable. So that's quite complex for the consumer. Um, they want something to say, yes, it's good or no, it's not. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose ultimately um, I'm in the position to be able to judge that generally. And so I work with the guys who are real best practice at, at all sustainability across the board. And, you know, they, they are set up not just to do it as a sort of marketing angle, if you like, it's very much because they want to deliver benefits for their local people and places. And one thing I really like about your website, which people want to go and have a look, it's earth-changes.com, isn't it? Correct. Uh, yes. and the, 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 you've actually got a list there of various countries, but also the people behind it, the key yes. experts. So, you can, so you're getting to know people. It's that whole transparency. You're getting to know the people behind these holiday destinations, which is fabulous. Yeah, I interview them. And, um, you know, exactly for that reason is is so much of how an organisation is run comes from whoever set it up and why they've done it. So it's to sort of introduce people really to the motivating factors of, of why does this person care about these issues? Why have they created tourism? What have they done before? What are the influences in their life that led them to that? Um, and then another section, which is our purpose section, is all about the sustainable development goals and how they interrelate with tourism. And as far as I know and have yet to be corrected, I was the first commercial company in the world to write about that. Well, so, well done. Um, yes, thank you very much. <laughs> <take> that. <laughs> so um, that leads me on to you then, Vicky. So tell yes. us a little bit about you and what got you so involved in sustainable tourism. Well, good question. I uh, I studied French and international business at university and I was also a big fan of skiing. And so after university, I wanted to go and spend some time in the French Alps, both to improve my language and to be able to ski. And I was definitely advised by my university at the time, it's a long time ago now, uh, that it would um, ruin my career if I took a year out. And I said, you know what? No, I'm going to go do six months of ski season and um, six months traveling the world. And then I'll come back and seriously think about a job when I get back. And I didn't really also want to spend my whole last year of university applying for milk ground jobs and graduate recruitment. And I did do some, but literally it made me feel quite sick. It was a bit too corporate for me. So um, so off I went and did a ski season, found that I um, learned much, much more than even my friends in graduate recruitment jobs in London, because um, you're dealing with real world issues and real people. And then did my travel. Uh, and then I was offered a job uh, back with the same company for the next winter, bigger resort, more staff, more chalets, more 
bigger operations, more guests every week. And so I carried on as long as I was learning something new and enjoying it, basically. Um, and in working in tourism at the coalface like that, it's, if you end up with a career in tourism and it's the best start because you, you know really um, what are the guest wants and needs? How do the logistics work? How does the sort of business model and everything work? Um, what are the challenges, et cetera, et cetera. It's extremely hard work. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise, but also a bit of fun here and there, obviously. Um, and I found I really like people that worked in travel, ultimately, because everyone shares a passion for travel. And, you know, I developed that passion for independent travel um, in between seasons. And, it, you know, it offers a great balance for doing that. Um, and then when I, I came back to the UK, now, I've been stuck up mountains in the Alps uh, in the sort of mid to late 90s and came back to the UK right at the end of the 90s. And um, the Internet had proliferated or, or started pen penetrating, let's say, in between since I've been at university, really. And my stepfather was was a network engineer and he had home all kitted out. And so I was quite fascinated with this Internet tech. And so I actually then got a job with uh, an international conference organisation firm for a couple of years running events on internet tech in travel and how travel industry was starting to be affected and also aviation and also various other sectors. Um, and then ultimately through doing that, learned about a lot about internet tech. And then I was basically poached back by a travel company to head up their web development um, commercial operation. And that was teletext, if you remember teletext. <laughs> so what used to be on analog TV for us, a sort of, you know, 70s 80s kids whatever um which was where the uk prior to the internet um booked all its last minute holidays got its weather reports got its snow reports so we were actually the biggest single source of holiday sales in the uk at that point in time so it was my job to translate that onto digital platforms but initially um website and then also digital tv and so in doing that i i ended up well initially i was responsible for ski and then ended up responsible for overseas holidays but that exposed me to the very mass market of the travel industry uh, because such is Teletex. Um, and it was a particular trip. I actually went to Kenya to a friend's wedding. I got a cheap deal through work, stayed at an all inclusive. And suddenly I became very aware that, um, you know, what was my idea of travel, which was to experience local culture, local people, um, go to local bars, see the wildlife, went on safari, all these things. Um, wasn't what most people were doing at this this place I was staying at and they were there to eat drink tan as much as they could they could have been anywhere they were literally most many people were there in between sign-on periods in all honesty and they were getting away to just some sun and um they certainly didn't go on safari they didn't talk to local people the hotel told them not to even go outside the walls and they were very happy just to obey um and the hotel was just trying to keep money within the walls of the all-inclusive and then you had this sort of disparity polarity but with the all-inclusive um, ghetto, if you like, and the poverty outside and seeing kids going through, you know, piles and piles of rubbish of plastic. Um, and this is the mid 2000s, not early 2000s. Um, you know, really for the first time, probably in my life, I saw that and the amount of plastic. And that was all plastic that was created by tourism. You know, they wouldn't have had that otherwise. And they didn't have the local services to be able to deal with it. And suddenly it struck me, this industry I worked in, you know, it wasn't just tourism or travel. It was this behemoth of this kind of, you know, conveyor belt of tourism industry that was exactly that exploitative. We'll use it, we'll take it, 
but we're not going to sort out our maths. And I felt very, very responsible for that. And I suddenly, and I, and I went around the pool where I was and I asked people where they booked and what they were doing. And they pretty much all booked through where I was working. Mm. And I just thought, it's all my fault. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm facilitating this though. I don't want to be part of this. It's not the travel that I believe in. And at that point in time, responsible tourism as a, as a term literally got coined that year. And so I came across that and went, that's the tourism I like. That's what I care about. I care about people and places. And so that sent me off on a new direction. And I then went and um, worked for the biggest tour operator getting involved in responsible tourism at the time um, in the UK. So I sort of switched client side, I suppose, from Teletex. And, and um, that didn't work out to be, it was quite a PR job for them at the time. It didn't work out to be that great. And so I went and spent some time in Africa. So I, I, I literally... Um, traveled around Africa, volunteering, and really trying to understand where travel or tourism could fit in, should fit in, whether it was helping, where it wasn't. I saw a lot of, you know, issues around health, obviously, um, resources, water, um, you know, things that require sustainable development. And what I would now call travel for sustainable development or tourism for sustainable development, I probably realized at that point that's what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, it just didn't have a name yet so you know responsible sustainable tourism still quite sort of nascent industry really so we're still um only 20 years in the making so far so yeah I've been involved ever since really that was it I, I very much said that's it I'm only only working in this going forward because I don't see really sort of the the purpose of helping big corporates make lots of money to exploit people in beautiful destinations that's um, really interesting and, and, and I'm and I come from a point of um wanting equality in the world and supporting those with inequality mm. so travel is such a huge engine as i talked about earlier economic engine and powerful you know for influence that well if you can have a good impact why not rather than having exactly a bad impact? exactly sure. it doesn't make much difference to the person who's going on the trip it no and it doesn't necessarily open. make much difference to prices no, exactly. In this case for sustainability, once you factor in energy, water, waste efficiencies, all that sort of stuff, actually is much better. So, and it actually, it's a better customer experience. It's been proven responsible sustainable tourism. You get higher customer satisfaction levels because there's attention to detail of, um, oh, just things like food procurement, local, less food miles, organic, um, better tasting. Staff are looked after so they respond to guests better um everyone just has a nicer time basically all yeah the think, aspect i think it's it's, it's it's that there's definitely that but i think there's there's also as we both know and i'm sure most people listening know as well the more you mentally put into something the more you get out of it so if you mm. are just going somewhere to lie on the beach and there's nothing wrong with that you know but if you are mentally thinking where am i going what's this society like you will get more out of it Anyway, yes. I wanted to you gave me a nostalgic moment there, which is something I'd completely forgotten about. In my um in a previous life when I worked for BT, uh one of my roles was to go out to the ABTA National oh, yeah. Conference in um it was in um, Why did you go there from BT? Because That's I was um, I was seconded at the time to one of the sales sector, which was the leisure and travel sector. And right. my role was basically to communicate upcoming technologies, um, internet, uh-huh. basically, which was becoming big. So in the late 90s, I, I took a, um, a stand out of demos to ABTA on behalf of BT to basically show people what 
internet booking could be like what what uh-huh. change technology wise and we actually provided the keynote speaker as well who was one of our um chief researchers and um, we talked about it was called the glimpse of the future and i remember he you know, it was really great i really enjoyed it but um the, the the speaker was talking about how um the internet was going to come along and travel agencies were going to disappear and people were going to do all their booking on the internet. He basically got laughed out of the auditorium. You mm. know, they, they, they sort of listened to him respectfully and they just thought, this is a load of old rubbish. This is pie mm. in the sky, you know, and we've been working in, this was probably, I don't know, 98, 97, 98. And he mm. was, you know, he was saying these things. And I just remember they, they have no idea. You know, I realized he was, he was completely right because we could see the technologies coming along, but it was just crazy. They did not know how yeah. it was going to get turned on their head and, and, and actually exactly me saying i was facilitating it in actual fact that the sort of advent and, and development of, of internet tech led to no frills flights and possibilities of you know the, if you remember the early days of ryanair flights yeah. you would literally jump on your your computer when it happened it's yeah like, well, where can we go you know exactly but that has created so much of that mass travel movement without thought for the destinations can they handle that number of people yeah same with cruise ships you know that kind of a to b booking that you can get on the internet um is 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 great in some ways you can get people into destinations they would otherwise not think about but on the other hand there's little thought for the impacts that that creates exactly exactly and so you know sustainable tourism is very much about saying you know as we know not not just sort of emotional gut feel but based on evidence of a balanced approach of economy, society and environment, is this a good or a bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, you moved me on to my second point, which was going to be, tell me about what the key issues are at the moment in travel and what are the trends heading towards sustainable travel? Well, I mean, I think, you know, travel represents the world. So all the key issues are the world's key issues, which are climate and biodiversity and inequalities, I'd say the big three. Right. And so, you know, Obviously, when people think about sustainable tourism, often the first thing they think about is aviation and how can you have travel, you know, if you're flying. And I think a lot of people don't know the the facts around what um, emissions percentage aviation is. Um, so, for example, global aviation in tourism is about two and a half percent of global emissions. Yeah. Now that that burns at a altitude, which has a slightly magnifying effect, so it can be sort of three four percent five percent max probably um impact if you like what you have to do is you have to weigh that up against what travel brings to destinations and for those people and places which is obviously economy it's jobs it's whatever so if we i I often look at the least developed countries because they're the ones who are probably most dependent on tourism um, and they don't have other industries that bring in that money so as i said earlier if they are probably reliant their, their tourism for them is probably 40 percent of income something like that and 40 percent of jobs up to in terms of their exports you're talking 80 percent for sort of islands and stuff mm-hmm. if you take aviation away for some of these places well basically the vast majority of the population then doesn't have a job or, or you know half the population doesn't have a job um and if they haven't got jobs they haven't got incomes they can't support their families they can't do development and you know, let's say goodbye to all those countries, basically, that tourism is in their top, if that one, if not the top three uh, sectors. So it's really important that we keep a balance between what de- destinations want tourism. You know, they don't want people to stop flying. Most travellers don't want to stop travelling, right? Yeah. And it's just how do we do it better? So the big onus is obviously on how we can replace 
uh, jet fuel with a sustainable alternative. Mm-hmm. And obviously the big um, sort of obvious answers are how can we travel without flying out of choice because other transport options do have less of an impact. So let's minimise it where we can. Let's minimise the number of sort of short weekend hops that that's we do. Yeah, that's actually just do your one big trip a year like we used to or two, whatever. You don't need to travel for business. We've seen that in COVID. Yes, occasionally it's nice to meet people, but we don't need to do the extent. So if we chopped business flights and if we sort of chopped weekend flying and stuff like that, and it's private a very, jets. very big dint at that point in time. And private jets because yeah, people oh are gosh, yes. going I mean, all over the place. Totally unnecessary, right? Yeah. Totally ridiculous. So, so I think, you know, my line is absolutely chop unnecessary flying. You don't need it. Um, However, aviation as a whole does support destinations. And so, you know, yes, there's a climate impact, but we can't take SDG 13, Sustainable Development Goal 13, separately from all the other Sustainable Development Goals. It's not just one thing. You know, it has an impact then on the others. And so we need to consider how the others all balance in with the impacts of tourism as well, which then brings me to sort of biodiversity and inevitably um, climate links in with biodiversity. So tourism is probably the sector that basically funds conservation. Um, most, yes, conservation has donor funding as well, but, you know, those people have to also go and see projects. But a lot of funding comes from actual tourism. So if, you, if we take flying away, then you haven't got people going to see elephants, rhino, tiger, lion, whatever endangered species. Let's go, wave goodbye to their funding at that point in time, because that's mostly where it comes from. And so, um, you know, biodiversity is obviously incredibly important to tourism. The big motivators for tourism are obviously weather, which we can talk about as being climate, uh, nature, which is our biodiversity, and culture, which is our inequalities in people, society. So so really the currency of tourism is um, the triple bottom line of sustainability. And all the more reason, right, we've got to sort out the sustainability and travel because as an industry... Um, if we don't, uh, it's probably the most suicidal sector. And it reminds me a, a lot of fashion, what you're saying, or clothing, yes. because of the, its message of overconsumption again. And what you're saying to people, what I say to people about um, textiles is you need to buy far, far less, but you need to buy really well. Yeah. So you're looking buy less, at, buy better. Buy less, buy better. But you're looking at the impacts of everything that you buy, every every choice that you make yeah. on the people making it and the planet. And no one's saying don't buy anything. What they're saying is buy buy carefully and with mm. kindness, isn't it? And it's exactly the yeah. same message for tourism. And that requires a lot of information about what's happening in those supply yeah. chains, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, me as a company, I exist to, to help people with that information to explain, you know, transparently, what are these organizations that I partner with? What makes them so great? What are they doing? How are they helping? You know, what what are their plans? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, tourism has such a huge impact on um, all the sustainable development goals. You know, it supports kids in education quite often. It supports capacity building for people's jobs, training, women in work in particular. You know, tourism is majority female, particularly at the lower echelons. So, you know, the gender equality, sustainable development goals, you know, we're, we're a bit buggered if we haven't got tourism for that as well. Yeah. So it's such, um, you know, I don't, I don't agree with the sort of no fly, fly full stop because it's such an important balance to sustainable development as, as, a, as the future as a whole. 
and we have to as much as the you know the sustainable development goals are really great for helping us understand those issues separately but we can't look at them as just sort of you know completely separate they interrelate and we have to look at it holistically and we have to look at a holistic balance about what is a net positive impact be it for nature be it for climate whatever definitely um you're making me think as well one one criticism that we often get as ethical um enterprises i guess is too much information isn't it and mm. people's i don't want to think about that i just want to make the, even my husband says to me I, I sometimes i just want to buy something i'm like okay but it says how do we make it easy for people mm. to know you know and it's, it is really really difficult it's, it's almost like and we've also become attuned as a society to the the three word message you know um as well so it's, it's how do we simplify those messages i like the three things you came up with just then the biodiversity etc because mm. those are three key messages that people can relate to can't they this yes is what i'm looking for and, and you know i'm very fortunate in that most people can relate to travel right and tourism it's something they enjoy mm. um so it's a great sector to work in but they on the on the flip side they don't really want to think about the sustainability of it because they want the fun of it without the yeah. seriousness of it right yeah and like you said it's very similar to fashion we have a lot of issues around water usage you know you talk about islands and you'll find that tourists use i've forgotten the actual stats but you know a hundred times the water a day that a local does and the local doesn't have access to the water sources but the tourists do you know terrible yeah. things like that yeah. um which just shouldn't occur quite frankly no. and you know, in, in many ways, I'm coming on to COVID now, um, COVID's been extremely tough, obviously, on, on the travel sector, but it's also kicked the whole sector up the bottom. Um, so whereas before, you you know, you were talking about um, internet tech and the guy who no one believed him or whatever. <laughs> you know, I started in sustainable tourism 17 years ago now, and everyone was just like, what? Didn't know what it was. Um, went through that stage of everyone laughing at me went through the stage of um thing people then thinking okay well yes but it's a niche product uh and then it's like well it's just a marketing angle or whatever it will never be anything and the difference that i've seen pre-covid to post-covid is enormous in travel um i mean literally it is a 10-year acceleration in the space of two and a half years by the rest of the industry um who is suddenly now taking it seriously and they're suddenly now realizing this applies to everybody because if it's not the default in future um our, our industry will be you know yeah say goodbye to your business basically we've seen and partly covid shut down lockdown tourism yeah uh, we saw 120 million jobs lost roughly across the whole world um we saw a I think the official stats now are about 75% decline of the industry in wow. 2020, but that was based on obviously March onwards. So the sort of, um, if you had applied that across the whole year, it would have been probably 80% plus, 80, 85%. Um, $120 trillion. I mean, I don't even know what that is. Right? No, it's a <laughs> it's, lot of zeros. That is. A lot of money. <laughs> um, and you know massive impacts for, for like i said less developed countries or island states who who, who lost 80 percent of their of their whole economies in in the last the, the the two years 2020 2021 um and so what that effect had on what effect that had on like companies here for example um a we see a lot of companies going bust and some really high profile ones yeah so big airlines yeah sta travel was a big casualty and people didn't have the cash flow. 
basically if you were a tourism business based on debt and you had to service that debt right well say goodbye because you've got no income so um we had no government support for tourism so in this country in the uk uh the government made outbound tourism illegal but didn't yet support anyone who worked within that sector unless you were a big company and you could get the you know the the furlough that other big companies were able to access but certainly not me um and so yeah we had a lot of casualties in the industry and that's now playing out because so many staff left the sector mm. and got jobs elsewhere and now they're not coming back because you know what they get paid more elsewhere because tourism's not a highly paid sector and so we've got massive staff shortages which we've seen in the last year or two right even coming to this point massive problems with airline schedules and things like that again same reasons we've obviously coming into fuel crisis and yeah. cost of living crisis and all that sort of thing so there's an awful lot that the, the sectors had to deal with um i was actually on a, a networking call yesterday and one of the biggest issues that people travel agents around the world um, are actually dealing with now is managing customer expectations mm-hmm. because customers are going away possibly for the first time since pre-covid They've got really, they've got high expectations because they want a special holiday because they haven't had one for a while. <laughs> the sector in the meantime has been totally obliterated, yeah. has lost most of its staff. The new, this new staff aren't necessarily skilled like previously or what have you. Um, and so it's a really, really, really challenging time. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I'm very lucky as a, a small startup that I was able to sort of cover my costs just because I was small. And I now need to scale. Um, and yeah, interesting, interesting times. Definitely trying to uh, no, get through. I, I know because um, I, I think you've met Travel with Jules before. Um, somebody, yes. She's a local contact of my own, a, a customer, business customer in the past as well. But she's had a terrible time over the last few years. Yeah. So she had to let her staff go. Um, and basically, I think she had to take a loan out against her house and all sorts of things. But one of the yeah. problems was that customers were still going to her throughout covid to try and get so she, she had to rearrange trips because exactly with the concert so she was working yeah. the whole so way when through. you're doing postponements cancellations yeah. anything like that rearranging everything there's no money in that no there's no money at all you're, you're, your whole time is taken up for work doing that exactly so so you know i, I think it's one of those things that i feel i personally feel like we need to support people like you and people like yes. jules you know and, because... and you know i carried on marketing throughout because my all my partners suppliers that i work with in destinations because they are dedicated to their communities because they exist for that reason a they continued with their full staff and continue paying them um as much as possible certainly you know more than they would live on sort of yeah. thing not 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 to the nth degree of cut um they might have cut a little bit um and they supported their communities with things like feeding programs. I mean, one place in South Africa, which is a phenomenal place, um, did a hundred thousand free meals for, and that was from their tourism income, but they've got no tourism in that time. So they were paying out. So as long as they were supporting their communities and doing lots of charitable initiatives, obviously I want to carry on supporting them. They're now, you know, in debt, probably enormously. We've got potentially, you know, years to have to make that up. Um, but at the same time, COVID really sort of, you know, sifted the, the men from the boys in tourism because you saw how people reacted. And you've got great people like the suppliers I work with and they all stepped up and they all supported their communities and they all did amazing work. Um, and that's the benefit of booking through someone that you know where someone's vetted yeah. real sustainable suppliers because there's that support network basically going on. 
and it's much more personal and emotional and you know dedicated ultimately again it's not for marketing you know it's very similar in in clothing and fashion as well you 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 get the relationships with the people that you know have shared values with you have a shared community drive with you you know um the same thing the the cooperatives that we work with they carried on paying people supporting people right through the even though it's and then you hear of big companies in fashion who for example weren't paying their bills weren't paying people for garments that they'd already had made you know but Mm. they just didn't pay the bill because they couldn't sell them so there's a difference between being in completely in it for profit and being in it as part of a bigger community picture which is obviously what you're doing and what we're doing and you know particularly like areas so where where the lodge i was talking about that did the feeding program um you know historically they've got bad unemployment in the region anyway and suddenly you've gone from something like 10 percent unemployment to 50 percent unemployment and it's just like goodness how can you as one lodge that maybe has 30 rooms or something support all these hundreds of people thousands of people you know um but so vital to build those relationships if you can because in the future that community cohesion and how you work as a lodge then with your community in the future is is you know the community will um you know support you in the future over that course so that brings me on nicely to greenwashing because ah, we, we obviously know yes. that many many companies are saying that they're, they're mm. responsible saying they're doing these sustainable things what's your thoughts on that well did you know greenwashing as the term was invented in tourism ah, no i didn't yes so it was actually invented by a new york journalist in i think 1986 to describe a it was a samoan hotel um who were it's like a surf hotel who were ostensibly not washing towels for the sake of the reef and the environment and realistically they weren't doing it because they were just saving money basically so that's where the greenwashing term came from uh so yes it's rife in tourism um and it's an interesting one isn't it because there are people who you know we're expecting to see a lot more in tourism like it's going to be now like i said there's this massive interest 10-year fast forward acceleration in the industry interest in sustainability so we'll have people saying they're sustainable, responsible when they're not. Um, the challenge is whether they think they are, you know, sometimes. Yeah, they're doing that. So sometimes some people might think in the best of intents, but it's, it's because we're, you know, sustainability is on a sort of continuum. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a black or white. It's, a, it's a, um, a, an onwards journey, almost endless, limitless of, of what you can do. And so if you're early into it, you might think, yes, I'm doing an amazing job, but you're just not aware of how big that job is going to end up being, basically. So there are people who won't do it intentionally, but are doing it. And there are people who will do it intentionally because they know the consumer demand is shifting to out of choice. If you've got a choice between that one and that one, do you pick the more sustainable? Yes, I'll pick the more sustainable. So they're saying it in order to get the bookings, basically. Yeah. So, you know, the difference, as with any sector, um, is about the evidence is you can't say you're sustainable, responsible unless you, you know, can show you are. You've got proof. um, And that means measuring and monitoring. And so we're actually starting to see in tourism as we get this um, increase in interest in sustainability, both from a consumer demand and a supplier side. We're seeing more movement into certifications, into measuring and monitoring systems. Um, I actually did a bit of consultancy recently, so I survived through doing a bit of side, you know, private consultancy. Yeah. And I've been helping one company with a data monitoring system, basically, 
um, which is enormous. I mean, it's like the Google Analytics of sustainable tourism impact data. Um, So that's really interesting that that's happening. And, you know, consumers will come to learn that you you have to to ask, if you're making that claim, why, how, where's the money going, what's going on with that? You know, it does make the booking thing more complex. Um, if and then then companies who you know people who don't want to get into those questions they'll come to specialists like me who just say where can I go in Costa Rica and I'll tell you and I'll you know hopefully have the you know I've got the reputation of of, of the knowledge and the um the recommended you know decent approach basically so but it's hard to see through the greenwash though isn't it and as a consumer I mean we're looking yes. at our trips for this year already we love to travel as a family tend to go by train but we're always very conscious of um what what do you look for you know and mm. if someone says they're sustainable what questions do you ask you know and it, it is it is quite a, a complicated one I mean again putting it back to fashion because that's obviously my my thing but um when you've got organizations saying we're the conscious we have the conscious collection we are the we're mm. we're fully I don't know ecological cotton and and you look at it you think no you're not no you're mm. not no you're not as an expert but as an in, as a person on the street you don't have that background knowledge to build it up. So what, yeah. what can they? What can people look for? Yeah, I mean, I actually wrote my master's thesis on greenwashing in tourism, <laughs> funnily enough, <laughs> um, actually around volunteer tourism in particular. Um, and I looked at both how volunteer tourism was um, sort of handling animal volunteering, volunteering with wildlife, um, as well as um, things like orphanages and child, child, um, child care and community development. Um and it's like, how do you, my, 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 my master's thesis sort of picked out, how do you, um, how as a consumer, can you, can you, well, I suppose the question was, as a consumer, can you tell, right, mm-hmm. from a website, whether someone is or isn't? And I would look at their policies. Um, I would look at how integrated the information is within their sort of product pages. I would look at the way they spoke about it. So was it patronizing? Was it, um, sort of poverty marketing um with something like animals it's like are you handling the animals because really that's not responsible so it's like the minute something is orphanage tourism full stop is a big no-no so if, if someone's selling if they're saying they're responsible and they're selling orphanage tourism well no sorry you're not um for reasons i don't need to go into but ultimately these orphanage tourism leads to child trafficking yeah behind the scenes um and so yes there's lots of things so i would look at their home pages i would look at the content that the the, the focus of development that they put on sustainability and how much information there was available and it is tricky like you said before you know consumers don't necessarily want too much information and for us who want to transparently give that information yeah. we need to make a sort of cascaded approach of a you know come to my site and just phone me if you just want to know you know don't, don't bother reading everything or if you do want to read it all there it is sort of thing you know yeah. it's, it's it is challenging it is, um, it is, like you say, it's a cascade. It's what um, our good friend Sean Conway Wood would call the um, funnel. <laughs> yes, exactly. Deeper, 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 green, deeper, right? Deeper, yeah. um, and, you know, another challenge in, in, certainly in tourism, which is where these measuring and monitoring and the, the certification schemes start to come in, is people measure in different ways and people monitor in different ways. So you're often not comparing apples and apples, right? So, you know, there's massive movements globally as different sectors to start to try and bring all this stuff together um, and even be able to compare between one sector to another. So, you know, sustainability is still so new that, we're, you know, global systems are still working on this. Um, but, yes, I mean, 
I think a lot of the time, probably, you know, you can get a, a good gut feel, I think, from websites um, mm. if, if you are sensitive to and aware of the issues. Um, if you're not, if you've never been interested in sustainability, you don't know what the issues are. There's a lot more to learn, probably. And there um, are organisations, aren't there? I think there's a green tourism organisation in the yeah. UK. So that's a certification, for example. Right. So the, the challenge we have in tourism is, you know, people will say, why isn't there a standard for sustainable tourism in, in, in tourism? Uh, sorry, sustainable, sustainability in tourism. Um, we have more than 200 global standards. And that's what I'm talking about. People not being, they're not necessarily comparable. Mm. Now, a lot of people have created these certifications in order to make money. And so there are, there's a handful of really good ones. You just mentioned green tourism. That's one. Um, I would probably be able to name mm, off the top of my head 10, 20, who are you know, 10 that are good, 10 others that I might know. Who knows who these other 190 odd are, right? Don't even know them. And that's, that's someone who's heavily involved in sustainable tourism, right? Yeah. Some countries have their own. So Costa Rica has its own scheme. Kenya has its own scheme. Um, Iceland, you know, most of the Nordic countries have their own schemes. So that becomes a bit more comparable between the properties there. But ultimately, um, no tourism organisation needs to have a certification in order to create a positive impact. Mm. And many good organisations that I know know don't get the certifications or don't follow the, the schemes because it costs them money and their resources they want to put into their actual impacts. So when I determine who I work with on a partner basis, it's not based on certifications. It's based on what their actual impacts are, mm-hmm. basically. So, you know, it's a nice and easy way for a consumer to kind of have an idea. It means they're taking it seriously. It means they're paying attention. It means they're learning. It means they're on a journey to improve their sustainability almost, as long as those certifications are renewed every couple of years, whatever it is, because you can't have someone gets it and then 10 years later they're still claiming it, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's also the element of if you're just doing it for the certification, that always yeah. worries me in, in with most industries. If yeah, you're... and in tourism, it's been proven that doesn't actually lead to more bookings or yeah. hasn't done historically. So it's not, there's no sort of commercial um, benefit of that to date. I think there will be in time, to be honest, because I think now consumers have working up sustainability and tourism, they will start to pay attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, green tourism, I, I actually worked for green tourism on stage there one. Um, I also work for an organisation called The Long Run, which is a um, a standard for private protected areas who use tourism for conservation and community benefit. So it's interesting to work for these organisations and see how they certify and see the extent to which and the depth to which they go. Um, and they all differ. Obviously, some are more shallow than others. So and some are more, um, you know, we talk about B Corp, for example. B Corp, some travel companies go into B Corp, but B Corp's not travel specific. It goes across sectors. Yeah. There's an awful lot of travel issues which aren't uh, central to how a company runs. Um, so let, let's say me as a, an online intermediary. I could do a B Corp, but it would be judged on my operations. It's not actually judged on the operations of my suppliers and my supply chain necessarily, I don't think, right? Because so much in travel is travel specific about transfers and all this kind of stuff, right? So, um, you know, travel companies tend to go with travel specific certifications. Yeah, no, which makes sense. That hmm. makes sense. I mean, my, my, my experience, I've been in this working in sustainability now for know, 13 years something like that but it people in general they buy they buy in once they buy in they buy in and they find mm. out things and it's about the stories it's about the background 
personal connection you know so i think accreditations are a great way of proving that certain situations you know people want to know but in general the the, the, the end consumer wants to have that feeling of understanding and connecting yeah with what, that they're, i mean they're I, I, my, my view is certifications are great for the organizations for their journey of sustainability for, for yeah. continuous improvement basically and sustainability you've got a third party saying have you thought about this that and the other you need not very balanced on that whatever yeah. that's great um but i don't think it's a consumer marketing no it's, a, it's, it's helpful like you say for the organization yeah. and in, in clothing i think it's um it's it's for people it's again for the mass producers so you don't you, you don't have to have relationships with all the different suppliers if they've got certain accreditations then mm. you are can potentially feel confident that they've reached a certain standard whether mm. they whether that's yeah. true or not it's another whole other and then, then you have to know like of the certifications which ones are the good ones and which ones are the yeah, less good I know, so. what sort of standard is their standard right exactly. and then in tourism because we've got so many and uh, we have something called the global sustainable tourism council who's like a standard of standards they're the, they're the, the, the policemen of the standards a little bit so if you then accredit your standard as a certification organisation with the GSTC, it becomes a kind of more recognised um, standard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and some of this is about promotion too, actually. A lot, a lot of accreditations, is a, those organisations then get to go onto those accrediting bodies' websites, you know. Yeah. It gives you a bit more help that way. So anyway, yeah. um, we're... Um, we're, we're now... going to talk uh, uh, one one interesting thing for, for for greenwash and whether it is or isn't um is is coming up for blue monday yes that was um, my next point yes, yes. <laughs> um so blue monday as a term was another thing coined in tourism oh and, tourism leads the way you know we're good at, at these sort of tactical things right um uh in effect you know it's post-Christmas, New Year. We've all had lots of fun. We're going into January. It's dark. It's miserable. We're all skint. We've got debts. Um, all the terrible things of January. People, the, the peak booking time in the Western world is January for booking travel. Because people go, oh, I just want to get away. Right? Yeah, and you don't do it forward to. And so a, com- a particular commercial company in, um, not so long ago, early mid-2000s, um, invented the term uh, Blue Monday as the third Monday in January as the most depressing day of the year. And they came up with a kind of equation that said, this is what makes it the third Monday in January is the most depressing time of the year. And in actual fact, obviously the science was completely debunked. It was total nonsense in in, in terms of the equation. But I do buy that, you know, yes, it's the peak booking time. And yes, people are feeling that way, you know, and that's why it's the peak booking time. And, um, it's not to say that com- tourism is just a commercial sector. It's also very, very important for people's mental health. Mm. Get away from your work, get away from home. Um, family time. Family time. But also, you know, going back to the sustainable development goals and inequalities and things, um, perspective about how other people live, culture, tolerance, um, how we exist in the world, not as items, but within a greater world ecosystem and community so you know i think there's a a really good important message actually around travel and mental health and tolerance um that you know for me and going back to what we started with aviation if we took aviation away and you made everyone very insular in their own places where they live what an awful lot we would miss out on yes 
Yeah. And I think I think education as a parent, you mm. know, education of travel is a huge thing. I mean, with this summer, we did a um, interrail around Europe and my youngest, who um, was 14, at the time, he said to me afterwards that he absolutely loved, you know, he stayed in, I think, 10 different cities over the month. Um, and he said to me afterwards that it really opened his eyes to all the different places in Europe that he could live when he's yeah. older, you know, and you get that whole respect for different languages, different cultures, yeah. you know, and when we um, when we travel further afield as well, you start seeing different communities different customs different cultures and then as you say that different that ways helps. of running society exactly and that's yeah. that tolerance thing that you've already said but also yeah. that um and that's so important to uh, this comes into sustainable development goal 16 and and 17 partnerships so 16 yeah. is peace and travel yeah. is really important to peace a you can't tra- do travel and tourism where there's not peace we said we talked about that war zone yeah. it's not very easy um but it's such a catalyst um i mean if we if everyone in the world had the opportunity to travel and see those different communities and cultures um it would make us very different towards other people i I agree i agree i mean looking at um situation in our country politically now when there's so much government rhetoric to make us you know anti-certain anybody who basically who isn't from the uk you know that was the day i absolutely committed that was the point of no return of my business was the day of the brexit vote results I was like, right, that's it. I'm totally doing this. Because for me, the world isn't about having boundaries and borders. Um, It's about understanding each other and supporting each other. Exactly. And then you look at the Russia-Ukraine situation, where one of the reasons where hopefully it's all going to fall apart is because a lot of the Ukrainians and Russians have traveled to each other they know each other they're friends mm. you know they're family and it's because community will win in the end I hope I really yeah. hope but but yes it's, it's a difficult situation but I agree with you completely I mean we know I'm not going to name any names but societies where people don't travel very much do tend to be very insular and um, yeah. you know all sorts of other things, uh, challenges as well. But we won't go into that yeah. one too much. And, you or... know, we're very fortunate. Obviously, we're a, a minor part of the world in p- population that gets to travel. Um, yeah. and, and in this country, in the UK, most of us travel. Art. It's an island. Many we're an island, you know. Yeah. Um, and so um, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, we in have... many ways, going back to the aviation thing, in many ways, it's our, it should be it's sort of our obligation to actually learn about our place in the world by understanding other places and other people in the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what development is. And, and, and it's not to say other people are wrong if that's not the way they want to do things. But, um, yeah, for me, it's it's um, important part of learning to live all together. As part of part of a community on a planet, you know, we yes. all live on the same planet. Exactly. We... And, you know, for me, we're, we're one ecosystem and yes. we are, as humans but one species within that ecosystem exactly right. and we are not more important than others um, than other people or other the others and not exploit and destroy the others basically. exactly it's a sharing mm. situation mm. um anyway final question uh because oh. we're running out of time what are your top tips for people who want to travel but they really want to make sure it's as kind as possible just as we were saying to the planet to the other communities other life forms who live on our planet what, what are your top tips yeah, I mean, certainly historically, I would have said, um, you know, watch the the mass tourism providers because, like I said earlier, most of the money never goes into destinations. Um, that is changing, so it just depends who now. Um, you know, in terms of really big tour operators, TUI have actually done a lot of work on sustainability. 
but they're the main one. And then some of the other sort of mid-tier companies are coming up and doing, some of the overland companies are doing, doing much more work. Um, you know, it's all about trying to get your money to go direct. So it's why I work as a model. People come to me and inquire. And then I, when people are ready to book, they actually pay directly so the money goes directly. It's all about supporting local people. Um, which isn't, you know, always the way because you get something like orphanage tourism and that can be local set up, but that can be exploitative. So a bit tricky, but generally you're wanting to book local, not big global chains, um, make sure your money goes local. Um, you know, you, these days we've got clever technology from Google Skyscanner, TripAdvisor, et cetera, who are showing carbon of flights. So you can choose lower carbon options if that's what you want to do, and or at least have the information to weigh up and, consider the opportunities around that um always look for evidence for any claims of sustainability um there's something in tourism called the glasgow declaration um which is basically the uh sort of tourism industry declares climate emergency and the companies who are working towards bringing emissions down 50 percent. so always worth considering the companies that are there there's several hundred now but they're a mere blip on the scale of the thousands and millions of tourism companies worldwide um and then yeah i mean transport take you know walk bike um local buses etc always minimizing carbon um that's a little bit more difficult with accommodation because i mean what i didn't say earlier was that accommodation also has a significant carbon impact Mm -hmm. so you've got to have the behind the scenes data to kind of know be able to judge that which is you know where i come in with with people to some extent and activities all have a carbon impact so um yeah i mean it's just it's balancing up all these issues of of what we know is potentially sustainable development um that's maybe <laughs> i'm not sure that was the best answer there so the top tip is to go to earth-changes.com <laughs> yes absolutely Jane. Thank you very much. <laughs> and no to find out I, and I what i right. would say is because of covid i've not been able to scale my website as much as i would like i've been in touch with 250 300 suppliers all over the world behind the scenes um that i can point people to and um even so if, if it's not on my website drop me a note and I, I and i would be able to help probably any destination brilliant that sounds great no that's, that's really interesting um i think there's a lot of interesting things to pull out from there you mentioned quite a few organizations so i'll get you to send me links to them and we'll put okay. that into the podcast text um and so I think we've said already where to find you, but just tell us again what social media you're on, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Website is earth-changers.com. Uh, Instagram at earthchangers in one word. Facebook at earthchangers.travel. Uh, Twitter at earth underscore changes underscore. It's impossible to get them all the same. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that'll do for now. Brilliant. Now that's great. And, and, Basically, people can get in touch with you if they want to find out more. And um, yes, and, and you know, I, I, I kind of um, can advise people on personal holidays, but also, uh, you know, corporate trips or um, particularly groups around CSR or anything like that. Because ultimately, all the destinations I deal with, particularly accommodations, they've got venues who are best practice sustainability around the world. And I just want very, to... very interesting places just to, to see behind the scenes how they operate. I just want to make one more mention as well, which Vicky's being too um, kind and nice to mention. And I know this from other friends of mine in the travel industry and other industries. If you go to somebody's website and you browse the holiday destinations and then you think that's really interesting information. I've learned a lot from that. And then you go off and you book it somewhere else. 
that is a real challenge for people like Vicky mm. and other organizations because they put huge amounts of work and effort yeah. into running their website and they're paying and it's their time. So please, if you are looking at something and you like what you see, do then follow through and do your booking through that organization because yes, they are then getting the value. It's worth me mentioning if someone books through me, they book the same public price as they would in the destination. So it's the same price. It's not more expensive or anything like that. It just means that, um, yeah, I've introduced them and I have a sort of introductory fee that comes back as, you know, to be transparent as a business model, basically. Yeah. As, as, as small businesses, you know, this is these, these things are absolutely key. Mm. You know, you don't, you don't want to be going to the Amazon of travel. I'm sure they're doing travel now anyway. Uh, well, everyone's doing travel. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much, Vicky Smith, for joining me on the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm, I hope you've all found it really useful and that you will be going to have a look and book some holidays through Vicky um, and find out more about sustainable travel. So thank yes, you. Yes, and drop me any questions by all means. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for listening to the Where Does It Come From podcast. You can find out more about the work we do creating planet-friendly, fair trade textiles and clothing that comes with its story on our website at wheredoesitcomefrom.co.uk.